Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreau. And I'm Nyla Schwab. And coming up today on The Gifted Life. You can track your pizza. Yep. You can track your kids. Yes. You can even track your ride share. Mm-hmm. Now we finally have that technology in our donation field. Love it. And instead of focusing on our weaknesses, we want to talk about what are our strengths and celebrate them. I like it. We'll do that today here on The Gifted Life. Here we go. Here on The Gifted Life podcast, we are talking about using technology in the donation world and the positive impacts that we are seeing here at LOPA and with some of our friends who are uh, doing best practices across the country. So we have invited Scott Plank to join us here on The Gifted Life podcast. Hey, Scott. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. We are so grateful that you joined us here on the Gifted Life podcast. Scott Plank is the CEO and co-founder of Medigo, which is just fun to say. But what is Medigo, Scott? So Medigo is responding to uh, a need and a conversation and deep research that we've done with a number with really all OPOs, transplant centers, um, coordinators like yourselves and others, to understand how we might be able to be helpful to the daily challenges of logistics and medical logistics is something everybody's heard about from COVID and from, uh, you know, fewer flights, fewer travel modes of transportation. And what we've done is taken this and looked at it as a technology problem uh, as much as it is a, a delivery problem. And the technology that we implement enables OPOs, transplant centers and uh, other stakeholders to know three things. First thing, of course, is where is the box or the item, in this case, the organ? Directional communication, which enables you to uh, connect the right people at the right time to that, to have actionable information. And the third piece, uh, maybe the most important piece, is delivering with that data through a uh, Internet of Things process, where and when is that going to arrive, which is a predictive analytic on the ETA. I love listening to you talk because it uh, coincides with what we read about your rich background, logistics, logistics, logistics. Tell us a little bit about you and how you came to be um, at the forefront of Medigo and these changes in our donation world. So it's a bit of a circuitous story. Uh, A good friend of mine, Dr. Joe Scalia, uh, in Baltimore, where we both live, is a transplant surgeon. And Joe and I were talking about a number of things, and he mentioned to me that he had uh, found a lot of challenges with um, organ transplant logistics. And we started talking about it and thinking about, well, what could that be? And he was talking to me about that because I spent uh, about 20 years uh, working with my brother as partner at uh, Under Armour. And among other things, I was responsible there was building out our technology platform, global logistics platform and supply chain. Um, so in that conversation, I talked to Dr. Scalia and I said, well, tell me, tell me the problem. Tell me, you know, what's going on. Are there other folks out there that we could talk to and support who are, you know, maybe, uh, working on, uh, solutions for this This is something that I could do as, uh, as an entrepreneur of venture capital. 
And what we decided and we learned was we literally had a conversation with all 57 of the OPOs. We talked to transplant centers. Uh, I had the chance to spend time working with uh, Joe. I went to uh, talk to some of the uh, recipients and donor families. And we came up with this idea that um, uh, I can make a very positive change and difference here from the systems that are going on. And also recognizing that, you know, we always think of our job as logistics and supply chain is to be what you might call unseen. And that the work of the OPOs, it's in the name, is procurement. So how can we put in a technology-enabled platform for OPOs that enables them to really move, um, in this case, organs, people, equipment, um, other biologics, in a way that there is complete confidence in the delivery, that there's the ability to manage and organize the so many teams and people around these events, as well as ensuring that the recipient hospital and the recipients uh, understand when this uh, gift of life is coming in as well, because there's so many different people and equipment and uh, airplanes and helicopters. There's just so much that has to be coordinated. Um, it's, it's literally not possible to do that with just uh, a pen and paper. And so I'll go back a little bit on my, my background. Of course, uh, I'm the chief clinical officer here at LOPA, but I've, uh, I've had multiple different roles throughout my LOPA career, uh, including a lot on the front line where, you know, we would went back way back in the day, 20 years ago, where we had, you know, pagers and we were so excited once we got the alpha pagers uh, that, that they can, someone somewhere else can text you and you can read it on the, on the pager itself. That was like a big technological advan advancement for us. You can imagine. So that's where we were and where we were just we, we had the list back then was simply printed out and you would make a phone call to the transplant centers and they would call you back. And it was so much phone call back and forth, back and forth. Of course, something we've talked about on the podcast, uh, you know, previously, one of the big advancements in our world from, from a logistics standpoint is the fact that uh, UNOS created DonorNet where all of the recipient information was then input into this one database that could be accessed by the OPOs, as you mentioned, the organ procurement organizations that, like us, LOPA here in Louisiana. And, and it made communication easier. We were able to, to you know, send uh, what we say offers, but essentially, you know, communicate with the transplant uh, surgeons and those co coordinators and, and on that end to make sure that that was, that was a right organ for their patient, make sure that everything fit, make sure that from a matching standpoint and a history standpoint and things like that. But the one gap that we continued to have was the fact that once we procured an organ, once we recovered an organ uh, and, and, and planned the transportation out, we would get the phone calls. I can tell you often, Scott, that uh, we would get phone calls back and forth from the surgeons again. Hey, when did you send it? Where is it? And, and of course, we had no mechanism to, to, to be able to track that. And, uh, and so I guess that's where you guys came in, as you mentioned, seeing that gap that was there. Uh, we, we're, we're able to track our pizzas. We're able to track, you know, our kids now. We're able to track 
you know, it, where our rideshare car is at any given time when we when we do, you know, uh, order these things. And and we can't we don't know where this life saving gift is. And for the public, you know, in general, of course, yeah, you know, when you send it by our uh, couriers, it's in general gets there on time and, and you know, in, in the uh, a time frame at least that everyone is aware of from the beginning. But as you touched on earlier, uh, especially since COVID, logistics has become so much more of a, a, a challenge. You know, we had a recent incident where for we had weather, and because there aren't a plethora of flights to be able to, to, to uh, transport out, there were about eight hours where you know, because of these things that came up in in previous times, we we had multiple flights to be able to to continue that allocation uh, to that particular transplant center. But in this case, because we were limited, to be able to reroute would have been so important. And uh, and so, as the chief clinical officer, I can certainly tell you, thank you for for your interest in our industry because it was it is certainly a a, a huge need. Uh, for us, especially, you know, as I see it, and you talked about a number of things, I'm just scratching the surface here in my mind on what you guys can do in, in simply, you know, the the tracking, but you touch on a few different things. So uh, I'd like to get into some of that. So so you talk about tracking, you talk about the benefits of, of you know, being able to know where this life-saving gift is at all times, and obviously the, the potential loss of a life-saving organ versus being able to know where it is at all times and, and plan your day as a surgeon is huge. But you t- touched on a few different areas that you guys are looking at. So uh, talk to us about all of the different logistical areas that you plan to address with Medigo. Thank you. Yes, great, great topic. And we've heard these stories from countless OPOs. So the way we think of this is that the organ procurement process, uh, movement of the organ, and then of course, transplant of that organ is what we call a, it's a very complex chain of custody, very complex mode of transportation. Everything is just in time, which is, you think about it, everybody plays, we call it sandlot baseball in the morning and at the night, which is who's going to be in the field when, and then when these events are happening, the same thing happens in the transplant center. So all of these aspects need to be coordinated. The other thing you mentioned, which we found to be uh, very important, is multi-directional communication that's not using cell phones or text messages. So the way our platform works is when the uh, organ has been procured and it's um, been allocated and the match has been made, we think of that as an event. So you, the organ coordinator, or it can be done at the hospital, it can be done by third parties, is inviting all of these different you know, stakeholders. So the courier, the uh, person who owns the airplane, the pilot, uh, the driver, all of these different stakeholders, and of course, the surgeon and the transplant coordinator in the hospital are invited onto this event. So the communication that's happening is always uh, up to the minute, because it's not just a text communication, but it's also a location with an active ETA. The other thing our platform provides is a estimated CIT at time of arrival. And CIT, it's very important as we know, because it it affects the ability of the transplant center to accept the organ. If the CIT time is coming 
um, it, anyway, it, it affects the ability of the uh, transplant center to accept the organ on a long journey with a complex chain of custody, complex mode of transportation. So as we work through this platform and this, this issue, we actually think to ourselves, the best way to ensure there are no, uh, what you would, might call um, surprises, is to create a platform that basically works one way all the time. Because in, and again, in logistics and supply chain, the idea is we all do it the same way every time using the same tracker, using your phone, using um, the communication ability, and therefore you don't have any what we would call outliers. So our job and our goal is that there are no outliers, that everything is predicted, and that uh, the process works super both flawlessly, but also with tremendously less people. Because the other side of um, there are less flights is that concept of the great resignation. And that great resignation uh, global trend has affected healthcare, and I'm certain that it affects um, OPOs because it affects most every other uh, employer, is there's just not enough people. So what's something that you may have done by just throwing people at it, because of the changes, their people are not there. So the Medigo platform is also there so that we can uh, enable uh, fewer people to do more work more accurately. So you, he talked about uh, CIT a couple times. And just for our listeners, that's called ischemic time. And what it really means is, you know, from, from the time an organ, let's use a, a kidney, for example. For, from the time the kidney is receiving blood flow from the donor to the time that it's receiving blood flow in the recipient, that kidney has to be put essentially in cold storage or cold solution and, and on ice. Uh, for lack of a better term there. And so with that, of course, that preserves the kidney, the cells in the kidneys uh, for a significant amount of time. But of course, there is a limit to it. You know, there's no perfect solution out there right now to where it causes that time to be limitless. So because of that, we look closely at this cold ischemic time. And uh, and for some organs like, like the heart and lungs, Basically, we've got about four hours of CIT, of cold ischemic time. Uh, livers sometimes have six to eight hours. You can stretch it on, on occasion, but for the most part, it's not much longer than that. Um, kidneys, we do have a little bit longer, 24 hours or so, depending on, on the, the, the donor and the recipient and a couple other um, factors, that variables that, that take place there. But in general... As Scott's talking about this, uh, it's it's a challenge to be able to match up. Right, we're trying to match up the best kidneys in this situation with the with the most appropriate recipient, which sometimes means you know it might be a recipient that's got a lot of potential rejection factors uh, that 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 for them they don't have a lot of opportunities for that kidney. So because of that, we have to ship kidneys from oftentimes here in Louisiana, to Washington State, to Maine, to you name it, to Alaska, wherever. We've got to send it very far distances where logistics is so imperative. And then, again, so tying all these things together, uh, again, it's, it's, it's impressive that you guys have looked at all this, and, and I love the way you're thinking about it, have, being able to do the same thing 
over and over, regardless of staff. You talked about the great, you know, the 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 great resignation, the mass resignation that took place in many uh, fields, especially healthcare. You know, we're we're having to work with less staff and with a lot more turnover throughout the industry on both sides, and to be able to provide this platform like you did, that's the same every time. It just makes things obviously that much easier, right? Yes. And uh, thank you so much for bringing that up as well. Um, because this, the very interesting thing about transplant, and I don't come from transplant, I come from you know supply chain and software systems, uh, workflow systems, has been incredibly interesting as well as challenging is exactly what you said. This supply chain is people. So other medical supply chains where we thought of like, hey, well, there wasn't enough PPE, it wasn't enough personal protective equipment, or uh, there weren't enough ventilators, those kinds of things are hardware systems that are challenging in and of themselves. The transplant world, everything is people, whether it's you know the, the donor and honoring the donor's gift and the donor family, but it also requires the coordination of the uh, field personnel for the OPO, where are the people and how do we get them to the right place at the right time? And then you have the coordination, of course, of the, um, the um, sorry, and then you have the coordination of the procurement team and the procurement surgeons. And then, of course, you have the logistics. It goes in a box and we call logistics effectively, uh, in this way, it's hospital to hospital. That's logistics. Supply chain is everything else that's happening. So as we've developed this platform, uh, you mentioned earlier uh, things that everybody is familiar with, which is ride share and uh, food delivery. So interesting thing, of course, about ride share and food delivery is that, you know, when, when someone is delivering you a pizza, you don't know where the pizza is, you don't know where the car is, you don't even know where the driver is, what you know is where is the phone. And the phone's location becomes the uh, what we call IoT that puts that onto the Medigo platform. So what we've expanded is to make it easier for OPOs and other stakeholders to certainly use trackers when you have a very complex chain of custody and a very complex uh, mode of transportation, but for accompanied organs and for organs that might be shorter distances, you're actually able to use your cell phone because the cell phone is then put on the Medigo platform and that becomes the location device. That also enables you to think of all the other participants in this transplant supply chain where it would be amazingly helpful to know where they are. For example, where is the potential candidate or recipient? So we mentioned CIT earlier, and you know, when, when we think of the Medigo um, uh, ETA algorithm, we think of that as a decision support algorithm enabling to, to basically to, to um, convert distance into time. So for example, if I might say to myself, um, this organ's gonna go 500 miles, that's too far. Well, is it too far? Or on the Medigo platform, we do the calculation thinking about, well, it could be a car, it could be an airplane, it could be a private plane, it could be a um, commercial airplane, uh, should we just drive it? All of these things come into play. And through that, we calculate a predictive analytic ETA, which enables that uh, hospital, um, the transplant center, to think of both the clinical aspects that you mentioned, but also converting distance into time, 
which is effectively what you mentioned, the CIT. And the criticality and the just-in-time nature and the urgency of this, of this uh, supply chain is so challenging. But for us, uh, something we're probably most proud of is being able to add decision support where what we hope to happen, of course, the Medigo goal, just like the goal of the rest of uh, the OPOs and transplant centers is, how do we reduce the uh, list of people waiting? And we do that by uh, procuring uh, more organs, securing more donors and donor families, um, ensuring that the logistics is something you don't have to think about anymore, and then organizing the recipient aspect and the transplant center so that they know when the box is coming in and how they can organize their people as well. And the goal here with everything, just like you mentioned, is time is of the essence. And this industry is extremely unique. This industry is extremely unique relative to even, even other uh, medical supply chains because there's nothing that has to be as urgent as, as this, uh, which you guys do every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Scott, I, I'm, I'm so excited listening to you talk about this. Um, I am not clinical, so I work on the front end of donation, asking the families, supporting the families. It was a job that I've, I've, I've worn that hat. And then the back end where I work now is um, supporting the families after donation. So letting them know what gifts were received or are shared um, for their loved one. Uh, so when I was listening to you, my heart starts pounding. I start getting very excited thinking about some of the words you said, flawlessly and seamlessly. Because when I think about these gifts that are being shared and, and actually recovered, because I feel like sometimes our families are just holding their breath when their loved one goes into the OR to recover. Um, and then they kind of they're waiting for that phone call to know what was received, what was transplanted. So when I think about um, this tracking and um, I just think all eyes on deck or all hands on deck to make sure that this precious gift leaves safely and arrives safely in one place. And, And I thank you for that because our families need this, our donor families and the recipients. Thank you for you know, bringing us back. And it's, it's, I, I've learned um, since I'm a newcomer to transplant and healthcare, I've learned that I'm constantly toggling between the importance of the impact that we make, which is all of our motivation at Medigo. And I can tell you to a person here, we know what we do and the importance of it. Um, and we toggle between that and the technology and the application, which in some ways is a bit dry. Um, and sometimes I can only imagine your world is something I could I could never do, is engaging with the donor families, you know, pre and post um, donation and so many of these other aspects that that OPO um, you know teammates are doing. It's just incredible and, and applauding you for that. Um, the the Medigo team thinks of our work that the impact we're making is to enable the organ procurement organizations, again, to focus on the middle word, procurement, not have to think much about the logistics. I hope that also will provide great comfort to that donor family, that that confidence delivered to the donor family of um, that they know where and when 
the um, the organ was shipped, um, as well as the recipients and their importance. So the importance for what we do and how we you know coordinate and collaborate with the OPO partners is uh, we don't pretend to be experts in transplant. We expect and you should expect us to be experts in logistics and supply chain and coordination. Um, and I think that's a wonderful, wonderful partnership. Well, Scott, you, you touched on a few things that obviously uh, excite me. You know, one being the fact that this is we've just entered hurricane season. Uh, I, I think about logistics way more than I'd like to admit. My wife knows how much because it's I'm constantly on the phone. We have weather patterns here in South Louisiana that are a bit different from many other areas in, in the country. Unique, yes. Very unique. And so, you know, to be able to have this, you know, and you guys all helping, assisting with that logistic piece is very reassuring. Um, can't wait to partner up more there. I'm curious you had talked, uh, you know, you had mentioned before about monitoring temperature vibrations, and then you mentioned also p- predictive analytics. I know obviously with the with the logistics piece, but also with uh, some some of, of this. So what's next for Medigo? Where are you guys looking to, to take this? Where's that next level? Well, thank you for that uh, intro. The One of the most exciting things about the relationship with LOPA is the opportunity to add data to the research community around what we call quality of trip. So I can get back to, we think about you're wearing a Fitbit or you're wearing you know, a pair of Under Armour shoes that has an accelerometer in it that connects to a, an app. It's very important, we think that over time, we, can, we, we look at the logistics right now as the organ is monitored intensively, what we would call before it goes into the box, and then, of course, it's monitored monitored intensively once it comes out of the box. With Lopo's partnership, we're able to do what we call quality of trip monitoring of the organ during its journey as well. The interesting thing about that is the, the data doesn't exist yet, the data set. And we want to be very thoughtful and careful that Medigo is not a clinical company that pretends to understand that level of critical data and how that will positively affect outcomes. I can say that with my partner, Dr. Joe Scalia, who has done tremendous amount of research, including NIH-funded research, around things like vibration or duration or light or temperature. And we're really excited to partner with LOPO to think hard about how we could collect that data so that over time that could have a positive place in the data work that you do around recipient outcomes. So incredible. I've been taking so many notes. I go out into the community and, and talk to our, our nurses who are who are coming in to LOPA and all these wonderful things. And I always say, uh, just wait until tomorrow. Um, things will, will change tomorrow. And then it's kind of here because we have partners like you, Scott, uh, who work to kind of push that envelope. And it's just incredible what's to come. So thank you for the real-time communication using technology to improve donation. Uh, we're going to have an open invitation to you here on the Gift life. We love to learn from you and we love partnering with you. So thank you for taking the time today. Thank you so much and uh, really appreciate it and, and want you to know that we consider this very much of a privilege to work with you um, and uh, couldn't be more excited at the, at the relationship. 
on the Gifted Life podcast, we take a moment for mental health. And this time we're talking about CrossFit, I think, strengths <laughs> or something like that. No, but and is... weaknesses, but we're not going to focus on that, right? <laughs> That's right, Lori. Okay, this is going to be a fun topic. So when I was walking into the building, I stopped and the people I passed along the way, I said, what are your strengths? And the way y'all are just staring at yeah. me, I don't, I, do y'all I mean, know I was your, like, do I answer? Because I, I don't know what to say. I, bench. I yeah. think bench is my Not thing. a bench. This is all <laughs> mental strength. No, but so there's this, there's a type of therapy that's called strengths-based therapy. And uh, it's a type of positive psychotherapy that like really focuses on your internal strengths and your resourcefulness. And so I thought this would be a really great topic because really when you ask people, like ask your children, what are your strengths? And they'll probably, children might be more, I don't know, adaptable to, to, to share what they think they're good at. Mm -hmm. But like for adults, we tend to hold back. We we focus on our our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So this is, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your strengths, Lori? Um, I try to bring joy into the room and I try to bring people up. Okay. So you're, but I want to say a, but, but I want to say a, but, but go ahead. (laughs) No, what's your, but what's your, but I was going to say, but sometimes if it's like a, a sad situation, like I get really uncomfortable. So maybe I, I, I tell too many jokes at that that juncture. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so no, I, I need to hold back. No, well, maybe humor is part of your strengths because you can bring that in when it's uncomfortable. Okay, so you're, you're positive when you come into a room and you're joyful. Those are all strengths. Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody will agree 100% of the time. But I try. <laughs> I'm going to call her husband now on that one. <laughs> Are you? You have your own examples, huh, Joe? No, but see, that's just it. Like, we look for excuses not to find our strengths. Mm -hmm. And we look for excuses. That was hard for me, Nyla. Yes, okay. Like, Joey, what are yours? Oh, Uh, same thing. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Uh, I would say it, you know, in, in, in a conversation... One of my strengths is to pull in a pot, like the, the, the whole picture. I don't, like, I don't fall into out of context with something. In other words, a lot of times people look at something from one point of view, and I try to bring in a bigger context of, of multiple points of view. I think, and, and uh, again. Would you say you're analytic? That very analytic. Well, okay. that's actually, I've, I've tested a, a few times as highly analytic. That's my, that is my biggest, highest strength. Now, my wife won't tell you that that's a strength. <laughs> I can assure See, we you that. Do, but, but, but you're cool See, under but pressure, in that too. Oh, here you go again. Yeah. Whenever there's a high stress, because everybody looks to you like you have to make these decisions and we all have to, to live with them. And, and, and so you're like calm under pressure. Like I can appreciate that. Like you think that through. So the funny thing, Lori, about that is that's not a natural thing for me. That's not natural. It was something that I had to learn over time. And it, it kind of goes back to early on in my nursing career. There were many times where I was thrust into situations where patients' lives were on the line and my adrenaline would just get the best of me. And I would be able to focus on a couple things, right? Like one or two pieces of what was going on. But I then learned over time to channel my focus on the bigger uh, piece, on on whatever that bigger picture is in that situation. And, and it allowed a better focus, in that situation. So that was pretty much where, where it came from for me. See, that's, that's excellent because you, you're taking something, you're, you're honing in on it and you're, you're, you're seeing what you're good at and then you're, you're building on that. And so that's strength based learning. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's that's what we all need to be doing instead of trying to build on our weaknesses, which is not it's good to know your weaknesses. But I think looking at our strengths is really important. And, and they, yours is. Oh, yours, your, mm, what's your strength? Mm, okay. What's your superpower? I'm a superpower. <laughs> Guys, it took me a while to figure it out. But I'm going to say encouragement. Yes. Uh, I would agree with that, don't you? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. You're it's just very encouraging. It took me a while. And then to, to know that that is a strength um, and that's a quality that I have. And it's actually something that I've really leaned into and I really enjoy doing it now. And I, I look for opportunities to do it now. I get excited to be around you like, oh, I'm going to leave here with a smile, babe. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I'm always looking to encourage Lori. Um, so, look, I'm going to give you four kind of like tips on okay. looking for strengths. Uh, the first one is a list. So I'm going to pass you a list. Oh, and she really has a list for I us. I really <laughs> do. So this is for somebody who just really doesn't even know where to begin. You can look at this. Um, Joey, you're wise. I'm going to bring it to my wife. Yep. Um, See, leadership. Assertiveness is mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And Lori, you're so patient. You listen to all my stories. You never cut me off. You just take your time with me. I mean, y'all have lots of these uh, strengths in your in, in oh, your world. Oh, this is easier to go by a list, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, is, it was harder easier. when you just <laughs> get us off the top there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so an, a, another way to do it is to look for your signs of your strengths, mm-hmm. and that would be asking questions like, "What sort of what sort of activities do you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell like, tell me more about the best experiences you remember living um, or having in your life." What makes a day really good for you? Uh, what do you feel you were, or what were you, when do you feel that you were at your best this week? And so that kind of helps you, like, again, zoom in on things you're good at or things you enjoy. And then a third is reframing. I don't know if you've ever heard of reframing. I like to use that word, but it's basically if you took a picture and you put it up on your wall and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. And you just change the picture. So you, you can, Leave it up there, but just change it out. And so if you say something like, um, I don't know, she worries a lot about uh, other people. I mean, a way to reframe that would be, you know, she's a very caring person. Mm -hmm. And looking at what you do well instead Mm -hmm. of what you don't do well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then the the fourth one is to start uh, really kind of spotting your strengths. And looking, so when you start looking for other people's strengths, you're going to get better at finding your own. Um, you can even, like y'all did, ask each other, what's my strength? Uh, it's really nice to get a different perspective because maybe somebody sees something that you just haven't noticed. That's um, what I was going to say, like my friends, like, you know, your trusted little circle. And yes. so, like sometimes they'll say, you were so good at that. I was like, wait, what? But you don't even recognize it until somebody you trust, like, brings it to yeah, the forefront. I, so I, that's great, yeah. I did not figure out encourager on my own. Someone pointed it out for yeah, me. Awesome. Yeah. And then so these are just some things that you can work on. Um, and I think that, you know, that there's been proof in research that just shows that if you spend more time focused on your strengths, most people are happier, they have better self-esteem, and they're more likely to accomplish their goals. I believe it. And it's just more fun. More fun mm-hmm. to think about the good things you do versus tearing yourself down. So, um, yeah. So I hope that y'all can look at your strengths and find your partner's strengths and your the people in your close circle, like you said, Lori. I like that exercise, but I don't want to go first next time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you have a topic you'd like us to cover here at The Gifted Life. Send us an email, info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment today, how has technology aided the placement of organs for transplantation? Joe, turn that over to you. Well, 
obviously some of it we spoke about earlier, you know, with stuff, logistics, yeah. how things have changed so much. But the biggest, easiest answer is really about in the past, again, going back to my early days, 20 years ago and even beyond, geography dominated the placement of organs because we were limited in how well we can match organs outside of our own kind of close imprint. Mm -hmm. uh, but then with the kind of, of course, with the Internet and then and then with what UNOS has done with DonorNet to be able to match donors and recipients at a much higher level, at a much broader geographical uh, area, it just enables us to save more lives and, and, and ultimately bury less viable organs as, as we did in the past. Thank you, Joey. If you have a question, give us a call, 504-648-3477. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Maureen Palmer Favret. And we learn about Maureen from her daughter. Organ donation is not a tragedy, but it can be a beautiful light in the midst of one. My mom, Maureen, gave the gift of donation and impacted the lives of three people. Her kidneys, liver, and pancreas were recovered for transplant. My mom was born on December 8, 1962, and entered eternal rest on January 8, 2009. It is taking me a long time to write something about her, but her story deserves to be told. She was one of five children. She, too, lost her mother at a young age. I was 15 when I lost my mom. She was in her 20s when she lost hers. She had a smile that could light up any room she walked into. Not only was she beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, too. She gave birth to six children. She always showed us unconditional love, and for that, I'm incredibly lucky. She loved to cook jambalaya, loved fishing, loved crabbing at the New Orleans lakefront, loved going to all of her kids' activities, and loved dancing around the living room to make us laugh. She was a shoulder to cry on or a huge hug as you walked in the front door of our house. She never met a stranger. She would give the shirt off her back to anyone in need. To be in her presence could instantly make you feel safe. Her work on this earth, and even from up above, inspires me every day to be the best person I can be. She inspired me to sign up to be an organ donor. She inspired me to sign up on the Bone Marrow Registry through Be The Match. Although our time together was cut way too short, her mark on this world lives on. To know her was to love her. She was the most selfless human being. She will always be my superhero. I send all of my love to her recipients. I hope that my mom's selfless donation gives each of you the hope to live a happy and fulfilled life. And now we pause and say thank you to Maureen for the gift of life. And that was episode 191 of The Gifted Life. Thanks for listening, guys. Remember, you can register anytime as an organ, eye, and tissue donor at registerme.org. We certainly want to thank Scott Plank, the CEO of Medigo, for coming on, joining us today. And not only for that, for his expressed interest in our field to his help vision. make yeah, the vision to help make our field, the donation and transplantation one, such a better place. The best place to find us is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. Listen there and find links to listen on 
Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcast, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others find our podcast. On social, guys, you can like our page on Facebook. It's the Gifted Life Podcast. You can also follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Gifted Life Pod. Thanks for spending some time with us. We hope that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Until next time. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreaux, and Nala Schwab. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. 